0: Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic with all the changes to schooling and daily life is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast yeah it's been it's been a, it's been a minute, hasn't it? I actually haven't released a podcast episode yet in 2022. And so here we are on February 1st and uh, releasing the first one. Yeah, I, I took a took a long break. I've been really trying to figure out kind of where to go next with the podcast, um, given just a bunch of shifts in my own life. Um, some really exciting stuff actually. And so I'll start more about that in uh, the next episode. Um, but for this one, um, I'm going to share with you a uh, conversation that I had on Clubhouse, um, in, uh, Galileo's inspired, um, conversations and, uh, I had it with, uh, three other dads. We all have kids who are in Galileo and all very different backgrounds. Uh, one family has been traveling for a long time. Um, another one is, um, really into, um, Bitcoin and things like that. And, um, they live in uh, Europe currently, uh, they they did travel for a while and now they're, they're, they're anchored in, I think France, uh, myself been, you know, in in Canada and, you know, haven't really been traveling too much. You know, I have three teenage uh, kids, one who's in Galileo. So yeah, we really share our whole journey, um, with education, with schooling, um, unschooling, self-directed, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot myself, and uh, I think you will too if you're at all interested in um, self-directed learning approaches. So, um, with that, we'll uh, we'll dive in and enjoy the show.
1: Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and for those that are going to be listening back on the podcast. You know, thanks for tuning in and showing an interest in what the dads might have to say uh, when it comes to homeschooling or self-directed education or world schooling unschooling, deschooling between the panel here. We've, we've done it all. Vlad's even built a self-directed education platform with the team over at Galileo. So there's, there's plenty of experience up here from all of us, from all different walks of life and different parts of the world. We'd be happy to answer any questions from the, uh, the audience uh, if and when they want to come up and raise their hands. Please feel free to do so. But I guess um, we should just kind of kick it off briefly with uh, some background stories from the panel. I'll start and then I'll pass the baton on to the next person. So I discovered, well, I kind of knew that I wasn't particularly happy in my previous role, my previous career, and I wanted to make a change. And that kind of snowballed into not just quitting my job and finding a different one, which I did for a while, but you know, just realized that was just further unhappiness, that I wanted to actually completely change my life. And uh, that would entail taking the kids out of school with my wife and making a decision of traveling. We didn't know how long we were going to travel for. We traveled in the end for two and a half years. I ended up writing a book about that. It's called Choose Life, which uh, covers our struggles and decision-making mindset and um, hopefully just kind of batted a little bit of a path for those people with the same kind of thoughts that were coming through behind us. We suddenly realized there's a huge amount of people out there doing this. You've just got to go and find them, which is becoming easier especially with conversations like this that we can now have on mediums like Clubhouse. And we just want to try and spread as much of this message as possible that you do actually have a choice. Uh, Some countries you might not, but there are still things that you can do. There are people in those countries that deem homeschooling to be illegal. You can find a way, or world schooling or unschooling, whatever it is. So we did that for two and a half years. We world schooled. Then we settled in France for a little while we opted back into the education system so the kids could learn another language through immersion. We now have three of our four kids back out and they are using Galileo and are unbelievably happy with that as are my wife and I. It's been uh, a great journey watching Vlad build that from the very beginning and to have been part of the journey. So with that said, I'll pass on to Vlad. Thank you so much, Daniel. So I
2: think you're always like uh, trying to put me on spot and I think you enjoy listening to me on... I say it's actually not something I'm building by myself, right? Because, I mean, uh, yeah, probably I started this. And uh, I remember, you know, like to give you like a, a bit of background, We I started this like a couple of years ago for my kids, right? So I have two kids and uh, uh, I was like completely disappointed about the traditional education system. And I said, okay, I should do something. And, you know, just talking with people like you, actually, you were like, uh, so even our meetup was pretty random. I remember I was like running this project called uh, Randomness of Life on Twitter. So this is how I met Daniel. We just uh, clicked, let's say, and uh, inspiring stories. Hey, this is what I'm doing. I travel and uh, and I was like super inspired. And I, I was talking with a lot of friends. Now it's like they, they once you start like traveling and with the kids, it's something that you cannot stop. I don't know, like it's it's so inspiring and you want more. It's it's unbelievable. It's a lifestyle that. Is incredible and I think all of us today uh kind of have the same lifestyle we' want like to have the same lifestyle right so um I think back to you know like what we started with Galileo it was like yeah we, we started the school it's a very big initiative right now it's like a lot of people involved it's not just me uh, building it and I think Daniel like really enjoys like you know saying this and listening to me again repeating myself on this but yeah it's like it's, it's an amazing team right now we have uh i think 75 people educators you know like we're collaborating with like 75 people around the world and uh, it's impressive uh, i mean i just finished the meeting now uh it's it's impressive you know like uh, so many different cultures so many different backgrounds so much potential in each person working with us to really create and disrupt education and i'm also honored for because i don't think it will be this would be possible without the parents and without having some crazy parents and, you know, like uh, accepting to kind of um, start this uh, type of lifestyle with their kids. And I'm, I'm very grateful to each one of you. I never met Ken. I would like to meet him in person. I, I would like to know more about this. So um, now, because it's kind of a relay system, I'll, I'll pass the bottom to Ken.
3: Awesome. Hey, Vlad. I don't know that we've actually spoken as well, but I'm another parent of Galileo. bit about me, I'm an American, and seven and a half years ago, my wife and I were living in Seattle with our two kids and decided that the corporate life I was living, similar similar story to Daniel, the corporate life I was living was, was not, didn't provide enough freedom to us. It didn't, uh, we longed for more aspect uh, that would help to bring us uh, more enjoyment in life and more enlightenment as a, as a whole. And seven and a half years ago, we, we hit the road as nomads living two and a half years throughout Central America. We drove our car throughout every country in mainland Central America while predominantly homeschooling our kids. We did put them in a school for one year in Guatemala. But after that, we wanted to continue to travel and found that My wife, who uh, has an education background, uh, we found that she was well-equipped or better equipped in in many cases than some of the school systems to provide a really uh, catered education program, catered to, to both of our kids and their unique interests and talents and strengths and opportunities. And so we continued to travel. And we have been homeschooling our kids now for over six and a half years, but I would say... You know, with the uh, introduction of Galileo, it's been augmented hugely. So, after Central America, we moved on to travel into Europe and Africa. And my kids uh, have been schooled in, whether you call it whatever label you want to throw on it, world schooling, homeschooling. We accept it, whatever it might be, from the aspect of we're agnostic to the label. Uh, we want to expose our kids to different cultures, different environments, as well as ourselves as adults and geeks and interests and realities. And so we've been on that pursuit. And uh, about a year and a half ago, we were introduced to Galileo. And as an awesome platform that could provide a much more structure to my kids. As they got older, their interests have grown beyond my wife uh, was capable or interested in in learning to be able to teach them and the resources that are available online or in person uh, in different areas that meet our lifestyle are overly abundant in this in this uh, at this time and growing constantly and so again our our journey from an education perspective from our kids started with what was our passion for freedom and choices and continues to just grow and amplify as we travel. And so.
4: Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, just a little background about our story and uh, how we came to uh, self-directed learning. So similar in back in 2019, we were looking at our lives and my wife and I had a conversation one night which went along the lines of, you know, if we were terminally ill now and we had two years to live, what would we do? And the answer was, well, we go traveling around the world. And that's what we did because we couldn't think of a good reason not to and to delay that. So thankfully, neither of us are terminally ill, but that made us make the the leap into the unknown, really. So we kind of came to self-directed education, I, I guess, as a necessity of, of having to maintain some form of education whilst on the road, our kids when we left were seven and five and so we had not yet been disappointed by the traditional education system. So as we were traveling we really saw how much kind of one-on-one attention really impacted um, the rate in which the kids could learn and also that tailored approach meant that you can focus on the kids interests and, and needs themselves and so Whilst back home, particularly with COVID times, kids were falling way behind in terms of uh, you know progress against the curriculum, and there's there's rights and wrongs in that measurement anyway. But there were kids effectively not getting any form of you know learning and nourishment through that process, and we were seeing the other side of that with our kids, which is they were actually progressing much faster and enjoying it much more at the same time. So we've now finished traveling um, and we're sort of back home now and we've continued to do self-directed education. Uh, just towards the end of our trip, we found Galileo through a recommendation from another family. And that's been a, a game changer for us in terms of lightening the load on the parents, but also uh, opening up much more opportunities to learn and progress uh, for the students as well. Jerry, should we pass to you? Yeah, it's really interesting to hear each person's story. Um, mine's I would say
0: unique compared to to the other ones. So I've got currently uh, three teenagers. All this uh is seventeen, I have twin boys who just turned fifteen. One is in Galileo, Graham, and each of them is sort of on their, their own unique path right now. But really it's it's been a journey of, of a lot of experimentation. My background is in software as a coach and agile for development. So I'm very much mentality of life is constant experimentation. So back when we had just Malia, well, I guess the boys are right. <laughs> I remember the first year of schooling, we did like a split test. She went to school in the morning and, and came home in the afternoon because we were kind of curious to see what would, what would work better. And, and Malia and, and us as parents agreed that uh, home life was, was more challenging, more interesting, and, and also more connecting as a family. So from that uh, early roots, yeah, um, we just done you know experiments over the years. So our kids, until recently, you know, haven't been in, in school at all. Kind of a, a fairly unstructured homeschooling life for the most part, living here in Canada. Um, and over the years, started to discover other interesting things out there. Like discover what uh, this whole unschooling community and, and world schooling community. I remember we you know we went to a uh, conference in New York. Other people there check like, out instructions and. Really got exposed to uh, these families traveling, like some of the amazing guests uh, on this panel. I was just blown away by this lifestyle that you know families could do this. So um, so over a period of time, started uh, encouraging and and uh, my family to to take a look at traveling for a particular. So we did a little experiments, bigger trips, um, and eventually we did like a three month adventure down in Mexico and, and Guatemala. A three month experiment to see if it was the last all we wanted to do, and also just exposed there were some some issues as a as a as a family that uh, got exposed to travel, which was you know in and of itself a good learning lesson. So so we didn't do more travel after that, Um, and now actually my three kids are all on different paths. So Graham's at Galileo, and that came about because I was also really looking for better opportunities for him. We live in a small northern Ontario town in Canada, and. Did in a lot of ways and last summer I, I explored different options in Passcaleo and, and uh, so he's really enjoying that um yeah he's really blossomed does a lot of work as an entrepreneur podcast agency my older daughter malia she she's doing like a kind of a high taking some classes for the first time in a local high school just to get a feel for, for potentially goes uh, to university and my other son David for the first this is his first uh I guess it's not as second year now where he's uh, in a local high school and for him sports and, and social connections is top of the priority list so it's been a great experience for him and really all i've been trying to do is just encourage my kids to find what lights them up and uh, it's interesting to see them all on a slightly different path
1: that highlights what we were saying at the beginning like you know it's about this choice right choosing the right path that you see best fit for that personality in in your child and not being afraid to to make a change or lean on the, the education system that, that, that is in place. This is one thing that I try and uh, explain to people. is like You have that safety net. There is zero risk of taking them out for like six to, my, six to nine months. If it doesn't work out, it's always going to be there. You can always go back. It's actually riskier to not experiment and just leave them there, especially if they're unhappy or especially if you're unhappy and there's, uh, there's causing tensions um, w- within the home or for the child at school. There is this possibility and we just get brainwashed into thinking that there is only one way.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Daniel. And it actually brings up one other thing. I'll pick a little plug for my podcast, which actually was birthed out of the need to try to find something better and feeling like it was kind of hard to see good options out there. So with Graham, we launched a podcast. It's been a little over a year now. And the whole point of it was really just to expose to parents all these amazing options that are out there. Right. So they could try to you know figure out what their best is. So yeah, I certainly invite people to, to check out the other education movement podcast. Just lots of different ideas on uh, what might work for that.
3: Yeah, I was going to build on the point Daniel said there too, of um, there is no risk. And I think that's extremely counter to what the majority foresees with this of six months of my child's education. That's a huge risk of, of taking them out of something that I know is at least working kind of, or maybe it's not fully working for them, and at the risk of you know screwing it up. And I've talked with a number of people who definitely believe that. And it's, it's counter to what I've learned and what I've seen is that there's nothing more pliable than a child's brain. And they are a sponge soaking things up. And regardless of what you throw at them, and where you take them or what you expose them to, whether it's their hobbies or the interest or something completely different and wild, they're going to learn. They can't help but learn. And providing this alternative choice for them to try it and experiment is something that I would encourage more people to take a look at because that safety net does exist and you're not going to do any damage in that six months. You're exposing yourself to a great opportunity.
4: Yeah, just to the risk point, really. uh, So totally echo that. I think a lot of our friends, when we said that we were going to take the kids out of school for one or two years, uh, they thought we'd lost our minds, you know, think of the children, what harm will they come to if they're not sat in a classroom for six hours a day for the next two years? And we thought we were, we were very courageous to pull them out uh, because you're fighting against basically all of that societal and systemic pressure. But, you know, as you said, it feels like a big step at the time, and it's only with hindsight that you realize it's it's actually a small step, and and that even if it didn't work out for for your family, then at least you could say that you tried it without any harm being done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a.
0: I was just thinking of a, a conversation I had with Naomi Fisher on podcast, and she talked about her growing up years, and she traveled quite a bit with her family, and, and she was actually in seventeen different schools, and very different style of schooling as well, like all over the spectrum. And through that experience for her, she realized that, you know, every system has its strengths and its weaknesses. But after all of that, she came back to the UK and went into a standard schooling system there and didn't miss a beat. She was, she thrived. She was doing just fine. And I guess it, it really taught her or showed her that there's many, many paths, right? And there's really no harm in, in experimenting you you you'll kids thrive in in all kinds of different conditions. And so what we sometimes feel is like a huge risk of loss of something. It's really, it's really a false belief.
1: It's not all sunshine and roses, right guys, we should share some of the negative side of things. I would say that the biggest thing for if we could go back and do it again, would be to properly de-school. That's one thing I try and tell families all of the time, because if you don't go through that process, then you really could be setting yourself up for you know a lot of battles and uh, stress and, and failure
2: i can start the first like i mean because it was uh, for me the process was pretty easy right so being born in a communist country um school was uh, mostly uh, indoctrination right so i just discussed with I, I mean i had an interview with torsten he's doing behind the curtain right now it's like it's an amazing boot camp for kids to learn about like well, i mean how was life in um, in the kind of eastern europe part right so because school was mainly indoctrination then i was you know ignoring it completely so for me the only thing i did was like math and physics because this was like you know like the only thing that they could not alter you know like with communism and everything so practically the process of schooling for me was really easy because i was never you know like I, I never believe this is the system works well. Right. So like I, I never had this experience with a good school, let's say. Right. So I think it's much more difficult for someone, you know, uh, coming with a good experience in schooling. So to understand this, this kind of approach, but in the same time, then, you know, like looking at this, uh, the way everything is, is designed is pretty scary because like it, so I have uh, experience living in a couple of different countries and it's like almost everywhere the system is designed the same way and not so different than this, like how the system was designed during communism, right? So the same topics you learn, you know, like the, the same priority of things, you know, you learn math, you know, physics, science, and then you talk about your history and something. So like, so I think if you step back, you know, and look at this, I think it's school the way it is designed right now, it, it doesn't make sense. And I think we, we need to have this, you know, like time to reflect. And for me personally, and I think for a lot of parents, uh, very useful was actually the events that you practically and the, like the team were like organizing during the past two years, right? Inviting all these amazing speakers, like, you know, like including Sir Ken Robinson or Peter Gray. So, and then when you see, like everybody's saying the same thing, it's mind blowing. And then it's like, uh, you ask yourself, like why nobody's doing anything? Why so few people, you know, like trying to have a different form of education. And yeah, I I think that's kind of my experience with with this schooling. Uh, I'll pass this to Nathan.
4: Just on the de-schooling point, something we didn't do and Knowing what we know now, it was definitely something we should have done. So I totally echo your point, Daniel. We left um, normal life and immediately we, we were then trying to do effectively schooling on the road at a similar level to in terms of time and effort that the kids were uh, used to at school, which was a disaster. So we had to go through that, I think, in order to know that it was, you know, it was the wrong thing to do and everyone learned certainly how not to do schooling at home (laughs) and try to more focus on I guess education rather than checking boxes against the curriculum which is is how we get we started out so yeah I think every person's journey is different and um, I think you have to almost make some of your own mistakes in order to validate your path. And just to
1: pick up on what Vlad was saying Vlad it's almost like you're saying the, the school education system is a totalitarian authoritarian regime that just passes orders straight down through the ranks and um, the, the poor people at the bottom just have to do exactly what they're told, when they're told, why, never ask why, and never challenge authority.
2: The best description for this was when uh, I think uh, Mark Andreessen said something like uh, schools are run by governments, right? So it's, imagine, you know, going and eating at the restaurant." run by the government. So imagine this experience. And I mean, if you understand the way everything is designed, it. I think it's kind of, you know, like uh, revolting, right? So like you, we need to do something and change
4: something. The thing for me, I've, I read recently was around the difference between discipline uh, and obedience, really. I see a lot of obedience being taught in the schools. And for me, discipline's about mental strength and um, being focused on things. And, I think they're often confused.
1: Discipline means something else in a in a school. <laughs> yeah, it means it <laughs> means stand in the corner. It used yeah. to mean uh, a wrap across the knuckles or, or you know trousers down, young Tommy. But now it just need you know stand in the corner, you know, or stand on your chair. You know, there is some way that you are shamed to uh, that's discipline to instill in obedience. And it's John Taylor Gatto that that brought this up. You know, the six purposes of schooling. Number purpose number one. Is obedience that is the whole point of the institution, and, and then punishment on. for uh, for non-obedience? Yeah. Absolutely, Ken. You had something to uh, weigh in with?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I look at the whole dynamic that we're talking about here. Is uh, you said the word institution? It is. An, it's an institutionalized system, and anything at scale that exists in society is you know is victim to the same aspects that traditional schooling I think often for uh, sees whether that's you know the The way that we have to board and unboard airplanes and or it is almost militarized. It's it's very, there are rules and everybody must follow, even if it's not the most practical for the individual in a given situation. And I think that's the beauty of non-traditional schooling is that you're able to individualize it to the actual customer, the kid to give them, to tailor what it is that's best for their learning style or needs or development. It's kind of like saying all of us have to wear the same prescription of glasses. It makes no sense versus everybody develops in their own ways and their own needs and being able to tailor the education to that individual, I think is what makes homeschooling have so much more appeal, at least to my family.
0: Yeah, I would just add on the whole deschooling deschooling conversation, you know, and certainly a lot of conversations I've had in, in my own kind of experience too. That's definitely, I'd say is is the biggest factor in, in making self-directed learning work. It's, it's mostly about the parents getting out of the way and, and all the baggage we're up with. Right. Like like my kids, like their mom, she took like traditional, uh, she has a teaching degree, elementary teaching and, you know, there definitely were things from that that got in the way of, of making a shift. And, you know, I can look at myself and, you know, just just notions you grew up with, like having to work hard to to do things. And so a lot of more focus perhaps on, you know, doing work versus, you know, being more playful and, and, and exploratory. It's, I think, really in the end, if parents really want to do the self directed approach for their families, which I will hardly endorse, um, it's really about working on yourself and letting go of a lot of notions and whatnot, um, but just get in the way of letting your kids um, just thrive um,
1: on their journey. hundred percent. And it's so difficult to do that, to take that step back because we were all institutionalized ourselves. But uh... all
5: of this conversation, it's a matter close to my heart. I've got a question, Fat. I've got so many thoughts that, that I could share here, but I'll get to my question first. The guys from Galileo, one of the things that I, I think how the state responds to this because I'm very much how schooling, institutional schooling, was was essentially designed, but but to train them, right? You know, operant conditioning, all this kind of stuff, and and drill a lot of their the natural capabilities out of them. How does the state respond? Where are you seeing the most friendly jurisdictions to homeschooling, and what do you see as the ability for Galileo to offer? You know, in terms of defenses,
2: that's a very good question. I, I think it's like so. I think I I got like half of it, but I'll try to answer. My perspective is like homeschooling is just the starting point for like what's happening right now. It's a big revolution happening in education. And I think, you know, some factors accelerated this. Things will change for sure from legal perspective, right? And I think the most interesting jurisdiction is actually the U.S. because this is actually legal for, I think, around like 30 years now, followed by all English-speaking countries, including the UK and uh, Canada or other, you know, and the rest of the countries, you know, like things are gray zone where uh, we're actually uh, forbidden. So like, for example, this kind of, you know, like uh, learning experiences are not allowed in countries like uh, so surprising, like Germany or Holland or Cuba where, you know, North Korea. So like this is actually the fourth country, Like like this is not allowed. And maybe China. But I think, you know, like uh, this will change. I think the future is like I mean, especially in the democratic countries, they will follow you know the interest of the student, the family, and we can see you know some examples in the U.S. where like you know some states practically parents can decide where to spend the money from the government, right? So they there is a subsidy like I don't know like a fifty thousand dollars per year per kid in a couple of states, you can choose to say, I pay for Galileo instead of I pay for my traditional school or some other school, whatever. Like It's your choice now, instead of government deciding on that. So, so I think, you know, like uh, I, I'm optimistic, right? So I, I hope, you know, like most of the countries will have the same approach, saying, hey, you have some, you know, uh, tuition and uh, allowance from the government that you can use and you can use for whatever school you want to choose. Now, when you talk about like, you know, what accreditation, all these things, like how we measure everything, I'm actually curious is like uh, as parents, you know, like how do you define now what is the best learning experience for your kids? It's like, I mean, because we're trying to understand this and it's like, because the school was designed with a different purpose. Now, if we design the school for kids, for the families, putting the kids first, families first, I'm curious to understand, you know, like how do you know that we are actually successful, and indeed, we're bringing value. You know, for your kids in this regard. So, I'd like you to, to know your point of views. Like, you know, on this.
3: Um... Yeah, I alluded to, to my answer, a bit earlier, of in traditional or institutional education, the state is the customer. In the way that we view uh, education, in my family, is our kids are the customers. So, if our kids are growing and they're happy and they like it and they're energized, and they're excited to come to school, then that's the way we gauge as to whether or not we have the right fit uh, from an education perspective. And I think it's a fundamental difference in empowering them. And I think Galileo does an incredible job with that, of allowing the freedom to choose the classes, to choose uh, even the facilitators. That aspect guides that customer experience and empowers kids in their, unlocks their education.
1: I would add as well, MTC, uh, you know, thinking about You know how does this play out? What did a state do? How did they react to it? Because homeschooling figures are rising around the world. You know, the the UK in particular, the US is apparently going through the roof. People are unhappy with the mandates that are being put down, and they don't want to send their kids back into um, situations that they're not happy with, whether that be philosophical or psychological health reasons. What do they do? Because you know, what's going to happen here in France, for example? The middle of this year, they came out and they said, right, going forward from September 22, we are going to ban homeschooling. And they try and blame it on the rise of uh, fundamentalism, you know, and, and terrorism and, and all this kind of stuff that's been bred in the home, which is complete and utter total nonsense. So, but at the same time, they're probably going to close schools again under the guise of, oh, it's, it's COVID and Omicron and whatever, you know, choose your variant, choose a Greek alphabet letter and, and go with that. So. They completely confuse themselves. They don't know how to handle it. They're like, on the one hand, they're saying, you're not allowed to homeschool. And then on the next hand, they're saying, we're closing all the schools. That's just going to drive more and more people into, I think, taking more control over their own lives. Families are going to be fed up with this kind of thing. And they're going to opt to homeschool. So as numbers rise, what is their knee-jerk reaction? What are they going to do? Because I think in the short term, we are going to see some pushback against homeschooling. I remember Boris Johnson was, you know, making noise about kids going back to school after the first lockdown, I believe, and saying, you know, it's your moral duty or something along those lines to send your kids to school. Pre-education is a human right and all of these nice memes that they hide behind to get people through their, you know, institution. I think there will be a lot of, a bit of a squeeze on it. But then the jurisdictions around the world, if they're smart, they will ease those uh, restrictions to attract World schooling or unschooling or self directed educating families to their jurisdiction because they're the kind of people that, again, I build businesses and, uh, and drive value and, and add value to that, those communities and, and those countries. So I think in the near term, we might see a little bit of a pushback, but opening up, hopefully, I would like to see all countries open to the idea of families being able to choose how, when, and where, and best equipped to teach their own kids. You know, we, we've got to put the, the families the parents back in charge of the families. Easier said than done, but uh, it's definitely a step that needs to be taken.
5: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I've got another question. A bit of self-disclosure here. I I actually did homeschooling with or home ed with my daughter from the get-go. Uh, she, she attended nursery, but never went into, you know, reception and, and the first few years of primary school. And So I've been through this journey of of wrestling with a lot of, you know, the questions that parents will go through when they're considering it. And I have absolutely no regrets that we did that. We got to a point, actually, ironically, we moved onto a road that had a, you know, quotation marks, good school on it before she was born. And so every day we'd see kids walking past go to school and we'd be home heading. It got out of the house a lot. You know, it had camp, forest camp and all that stuff. But it got to the point where she wanted to go to school. And that process ultimately led to us conceding and saying, okay, go. And she loved it, which was a bit bizarre for me. But having seen her in the school environment, she's so far ahead in many regards. And I can see the results of that home ed process in terms of her confidence, how mature she is, her leadership skills particularly as well. But we're we're thinking now of moving. And moving to a different country in light of everything that's kind of happening and just having a complete gear change in terms of our life. And I suppose my question is, have any of you been in a situation where you've kind of you know, looked to extract a child in an environment from an environment in which she is ostensibly fairly happy? Because I want to make her a part of the process. I don't want this to be something that we impose on her, although there's many considerations beyond that, you know, and she had very much... You know, control of a lot of her unschooling process. It was very much, you know, led by what she was interested in, and it was great. But then she said, Right, I want to go to school, and we folded and let her go. And all of this actually has helped with her confidence in many respects. I see there being downsides of the school as well, though. But has anyone got experience they can speak of with respect to kind of, you know, dealing with that kind of situation or any advice you can offer?
3: So when we first started traveling, our daughter uh, was in a in a public school system it was a lottery school system so it was a it was definitely a it was a choice school in Washington state that was hard to get into and she loved so it was kind of non-traditional education and a traditional system and when we told her uh, we were looking to travel for uh, originally a year or two she was devastated she was only she was still quite young she was two years into uh, her primary school but It was definitely not an easy thing for her to swallow. And so it was something that... It was a choice that her parents made for her to break her out of this system and to try something different. And she was devastated because it was a school that she knew that once she left, she couldn't get back into. We come back a year later and she can't get back into this school. And so initially, it was very tough and yeah, no sugarcoating that one. A year later, she... Didn't want to go back. She wanted to keep traveling and experiencing education the way she was uh, had been exposed to. But
4: uh, initially, it was uh, it was quite the hurdle. Uh, yeah, and a point for me. So uh, we recently returned from traveling, and like I said earlier, we, we only found Galileo towards the end of that process. I think if we hadn't have found Galileo t- towards the end, I think uh, my eldest would now be back in the the regular school system here in the UK because he associates that with friends and the friends he knew before we left to go traveling. So they were very excited to come back and see those friends, not necessarily because of the school, but just because the friends were at the school. But what Galileo really helped with is that online community of people. So uh, Sam eldest, within those last few months, formed some real good friendships online through the shared learning experience of the different uh, boot camps. And so that gave him his people and we moved the need for him to want to go back to school. So we gave Sam the choice. We said, do you want to go back to your old school or do you want to carry on with Galileo and see your old school friends socially, after school clubs and football teams and play dates and all that good stuff. And he chose to do carry on with Galileo and to not go back to the school system. So for us, that we were able to separate the the friends and the social side, in person social side,
1: with the schooling. Same thing, really. MTC, uh, no no sugarcoating it. It was uh, a bit of a, uh, a shock to our oldest at the time. She was eight, eight and a half, and well settled, I suppose, into into her role at school. She had even been made, um, you know, in Singapore they start these these grooming sessions early, and she had been made uh, like head of the class or whatever. So she was quite proud of that. Uh, our six-year-old, she was just going to like the, the next stage of school. So she was feeling that kind of uh, more independency and, and like uh, better responsibility, I suppose. And when we told him, yeah, it's like, well, that come out of left field. What do you mean? We can't leave school. We can't leave our friends. We can't leave our home. Uh, we can't leave the country. There's no easy way to break that news. You know, it's just open communication, having those, those hard conversations that are just going to move you forward in life, I suppose. But then once you do get going... All of those fears, like we were talking about before, and you know the, the realization that there was no risk in what in those decisions that you've made, and you've all grown a little bit from the situation. The missing piece of the puzzle for us, I would say, would have been uh, Galileo. That would have just been so perfect to plug, especially the eldest into into that kind of scenario. You know, we're going back to 2014; wasn't around, so we were you know, dependent on on other tools out there that we were using to, to kind of aid our uh, home education. But um, for daughters like uh, eight or upwards, I would say having a conversation about moving country—that's one thing. Having like the backstop of platform like Galileo to just get straight into, like uh, you know, integrate into that, and finding finding her people online because there's you know kids on there from all over the world and different ages. That would make uh, the transition, I think, quite smooth. At least give her some agency over, you know, her education and, uh, forming her new friendship. Then when you end up in that new country, there's another decision to be made. Like, you know, do we look into the schooling system? Do you want to carry on with this? Uh, you know, just being open and having those conversations, but, uh, yeah, parenting's tough.
2: I think just to give you another perspective here is like, maybe surprising, you know, like coming from me, yeah. but, um, so Peter Gray was like doing a research on this, on, I think it's like 300, uh, families doing, uh, unschooling and uh, two families after like i think like 10 or 20 years they kind of said that unschooling was was like a was a mistake for them and the reason was actually because they forced the kids to go on a schooling right so i think the worst case scenario for you is like really to force her to choose another school if she's happy with that school right so I, I think if she's happy, then that's the purpose for the school. Like, hey, kids are happy. I think Ken said this. Like, kids are happy. They're enjoying learning. They have friends. That's perfect. I mean, of course, now if you have to move to a different country, that's another problem, right? But I do not recommend to change the school if everything is okay, right? So just to force this new uh, philosophy of like, you know, like learning uh, in a self-active environment. I think this agency is very important. So like how you can help kids, you know, like have a, a say in whatever it's you know, whatever they want to learn is very important. So uh, yeah, just to have a different perspective is like even if it's maybe strange to come from me.
5: I think that's but a yeah. great a great point actually. And you know, I'm I'm thinking it is well one question that I asked is is would there be a way to, you know, be the, the principles of home of, of homeschooling or unschooling in a child who is in school, you know, are you able to undo some of the damage, to put it bluntly, that a school environment does. And if anybody's read John Gatto or Neil Postman or Peter Gray, yeah, there's various others, John Holt, you'll kind of understand that that school does damage kids in a number of ways. And so I suppose my point is, if you read those books and read those authors, and you have an insight into why school is designed in the way that it is designed, you'll get a great understanding of the environment that children find themselves in. And and I think that there is some stuff that you can do to undo that. You can at least make them aware of why they might be getting told to follow arbitrary bullshit rules, for example, and why their school day is designed in the way that it is. But I think fundamentally from having seen things in both worlds, the child has a much better opportunity for themselves if they're able to take a more proactive role in their own education. And to follow things that they're genuinely interested in to drop the crap that they're not. So yeah, just a bit of insight from me there, having seen things from both perspectives. Because it was a question that I wrestled with. And I think fundamentally, whilst there is some stuff that you can do to undo, you know, what school does, it's a real uphill struggle. It is a real uphill struggle.
1: Yeah, certainly is, mate. And well, we've got a panel of dads here, right? We pretty lonely place to be sometimes, you know, once you go against that. That social norm, that that construct that is around, built around you, and all of a sudden you are—I think Nathan said earlier—everybody within his circle was saying you're crazy. What are you doing? You're irresponsible. Don't do it. You know you're fighting. you're, You're pissing into the wind. To use a classic English saying, you yourself can find yourself in a pretty lonely place, especially the dads. Because it's generally the, the mother that makes that decision initially because she's so close to the nest and understands that there's something wrong with the system and understands that their kid's not happy each time that they come home. When you do find yourself out there, it, you know this is the reason for having these, these sessions and uh, carrying this conversation forward.
5: One of the big myths when we were starting out on this journey sort of eight years ago or so was, was socialization. That was always a big thing. And what I found is that they end up with better social skills by spending more time with adults. You know, and the environment that they're in in school is kind of like Lord of the Flies. It's such a big myth, the whole socialization thing. Yeah, they, they might have a lot more young people that they're in contact with, but we found that the friendships they developed and, and the fact that they were actually mingling with kids of different ages had just extraordinarily better benefits than the, the typical school environment, classroom environment that they might find themselves in.
4: Yeah, just 100% totally agree. I think... Particularly from a confidence perspective, we saw a huge difference just within a few months of taking our eldest out of the school system. Because I think in the classroom, we've got 30 kids or whatever. They quickly form friendships on on a gender basis. So you're down to between 10 and 15 kids that you can be friends with. And the pecking order gets established fairly quickly, uh, in my experience. And you get the more naturally extroverted kids say uh, and let's not confuse extroversion introversion with confidence uh you get the more extroverted kids then taking on these more kind of like leadership roles and sometimes that sucks the air out of the room for the other kids so uh, we've certainly found that taking our kids out of that environment has has improved their confidence and particularly around other adults as well um we traveled the world um, and met lots of other world schooling families. So we, we are looking at this from a world schooling perspective, not necessarily just a homeschool perspective. But all of the other homeschooling families we've met have had of kids who are just openly converse with anybody of any age, of any nationality. And, you know, we, we come back home and we see kids. Um, and they're still kind of hiding, hiding behind their parents' legs when when they're talked to from an adult.
5: What about the downsides of of what you're doing? Sorry to ask the the kind of bastard question here, <laughs> but I I love the idea. I love the concept. And I'm, I'm definitely going to check out Galileo. And I think if if we do pull the plug on the UK, I, th- I think it, it could well be a, a big part of uh, of what we anchor our kids' education around. But as world schooling and unschooling mums and dads, what are the things you wish you could have that you maybe don't have what's missing
4: more personal time for us yeah I mean Galileo helps uh, hugely with that but um yeah I think if you are trying to do homeschooling and you know you have two parents in full-time employment then that's going to be difficult to do I think it's possible with Galileo uh, particularly if one parent works at home but yeah so for us when we first started out on the journey I mean we were just quite busy life was busy and neither of us was working so it was uh, quite a tiring period when we first set out for me one of the things that's been, a bit, been a, a bit of a regret over the years
0: is is i feel like like it's been too slanted on the independent side like I, li- I would like to have what i would have liked and still working to create you know more opportunities for social learning experimenting like my kids have spent i mean we're in a, again in a small northern ontario town so uh, It'd make like a ton of other families doing what we're doing. It's not, not really. There's a lot of like traditional homeschooling here, but not much else, you know. So one thing that's been been hard for me is, is just seeing that lack of um, social learning. Like I, I think we we're social beings, and you know, even even like with Galileo and there's been some great things about it. One thing I still haven't seen with with Graham is you know like working with other kids in exploring a topic together, other than through like you know like the structured learning experiences. I'd love to see more like. Collaborating to create something or or, or build something. And that might just be partly the way, you know, the way Graham is. But that's one aspect that I I really would like to see more of um, that I feel is an important part of kind of developing a lot of different skills around communication and collaboration and critical thinking that just don't get, you know, protested so much when it's just you and your laptop mostly, uh, you know, doing
3: things. From my end, I would love to see a couple of things. More countries being open to it. Um, as we were traveling around, trying to determine where to establish a home base, we have to establish, you know, where is it legal, where is it illegal? and where is it illegal, and it, it's a it's a murky territory. In addition to that, like less social stigma would be phenomenal. People do, you know, there is the aspect that we talked about earlier of, you know, is it a risk, and people oftentimes consider it very risky or, you know, what grade levels your child at, or how do you know they're on level or these aspects. I think there's a lot of cultural norms that have been established by the institutional rollout and supportive education that are unhelpful labels in, in assessing a child's real progress and quite often meaningless.
2: I would like to, use, like, I would like to follow up with a question We right, I asked like before about, you know, uh, how do you know the, the school is good for your kids if you can have this kind of, you know, new school, let's say, right? What we're trying to build here at Galileo. Like, how do you know we're successful? I guess would be my question for you guys as parents. What do you want to have? You know, like, what is yeah. what is working? What you enjoy? What is like, what, uh, what's something what, that we can, what we can improve, you know? Like, what can we focus on?
1: What I'm really looking forward to, and obviously it's it's coming very, very soon, is the the option for... The dojo idea, right? The the option for the the micro physical schools to open up by existing uh, Galileo families, or by anybody that wants to, um, you know, have the support from Galileo and go through like uh, I believe, Vlad, there might be a short training program or something. If they wanted to open up their own micro school wherever they wanted, and then have that in place on the Galileo platform. So those of us that wanted to get traveling again, we could travel to, you could design an itinerary around where the micro schools are popping up. And that really, to me, is something very exciting because that was a real big miss for when we were doing this, like that like zero community, like none, you literally are on your own. Now, if you can have that option, it's like, right, we're going to go to Portugal for two months. We're going to go to Montenegro for two months. And we're going to get off to the Far East for two months. And, and plan that and always be plugged in to have that optionality of hanging out with the community there, the parents and the kids getting to meet each other that are already friends with each other on Galileo, possibly. That, I think, is the next step. And that, that's just the perfect cherry on the cake from what I can see.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I think the thing we, we have to figure out as a parent community with Galileo is if we have our kids kind of full-time Galileo how does that then mesh
1: with the in-person dojo experience as well and Vlad there's a a student exchange initiative as well right which I think would be very very cool so then the the kids can go and spend time with the friends that they've made in safe houses essentially because the Galileo parents are beginning to meet each other and get to know each other that'd be um, another great thing to happen. So the way we design everything is,
2: you know, like I'm, I'm trying to uh, introduce this idea of self-organized company, school, maybe even decentralized at some point. So uh, even if it's kind of, you know, pretty difficult to think about this right now, but um, that's how we think about. And probably someday, some, some of these initiatives are actually started by parents or, you know, by teachers or anyone involved with us with, with kind of with the same belief that, you know, we're doing something good, right? Because I think the the belief here is like we believe self-directed education is the future of learning for kids. And so if you are aligned with this philosophy, then, you know, we can see interesting initiatives coming. And I think what we want to do is like the, the main focus for everything we're building is like how, how we can become a platform so we can enable all this kind of ideas, you know, like all this initiatives to be developed like for example student exchange programs where you know dojos and everything so dojos are not our thing it's like we just create a platform so dojos can open like micro schools can open and and actually enable this kind of uh, services but everything is so new here it's like we don't know what's working what's not working like uh, nathan th- said it's like i we need to experiment a lot we need to um to learn a lot it's very important for us um And I think the reason I'm so excited and at the same time so grateful for each one of you is because, I mean, you accepted kind of somehow to be in this journey with us, right? And putting your kids, right, in this kind of thing. So like we we experiment a lot and you know that and we have a lot of changes and, and we try to learn as fast as possible and in the same time making sure that the kids are progressing, right? So regarding the dojos, I mean, we have a couple of them open, actually, but hopefully this will be a thing, I don't know, and maybe maybe next year, maybe one a, a year from now. But definitely things are um, are uh, evolving nicely, and I think we we learn a lot of things. If you talked about the online education, we've learned so many things, right? So, for example, how we design the online learning experiences. Most of the school, they still put kids and teachers will uh, lecture them. We have now a lot of understanding about this, you know, like separating things, you know, in uh, on-demand courses, uh, live interactions, which will be much more uh, interactive, like uh, Gary said, you know, uh, trying to uh, help them collaborate and learn together more. So we're learning a lot about how to design this, and um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for for being in this journey, you know, uh, with us, because it's uh, yeah, it's it's extremely important to have this you know, the support from the parents. Sure.
1: Thanks, man. Really appreciate uh, the update and uh, the, the kind words and everything that you've been doing, building Galileo. And
6: Hi, Daniel. I wanted to add on the topic of, of student collaboration. I want to say that as personally, we had a fantastic experience with that. It could be uh, how social the child is and what uh, friends they make in the group. But my son, Josh, uh, he was meeting up after in, in between clubs after whatever uh, classes, clubs he had at Galileo, he was meeting up with a friend to do coding and they were doing it pretty much every day. So the, the coding coach told me those were pretty advanced concepts that they were working on. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to, uh, we're coming back to Galileo either this month or um, January January 1st. In the meantime, we are moving to Mexico. So I actually have a question for Vlad. Is there information uh, online yet? Where should I look for up-to-date dojo information? I know there's um, a dojo in Mexico, just as we're going there, within a 20-minute drive from the place we'll be at. So I wonder if there's a website yet for all the upcoming dojos. What's the best way to stay up-to-date on this? Thank you.
2: I wish I had Serge and uh, Mati here with me on stage. But yes, we're working on this. Yes, we'll have a new version of the website this month and, and you'll be able to search for locations where dojos are active, where like dojos will uh, open up soon. Right now we have 96 applications, so 96 micro schools will kind of open possibly next year. I think in Mexico we have a couple of, uh, I mean, you, you have definitely a couple of options, so there is none, maybe you can start one. So, um, you know, that's, that's another thing you can consider.
6: Thank you. I think Dojo are a very exciting development. Uh, I think that's going to be, there was a question during this call about what is missing. So for us, it was not, social interaction has been great for us online. Uh, My son really got used to interacting online. It may not be the same, but it's been higher quality for us. Uh, it's been more interesting, you know, more more global across cultures, time zones, interests. There's definitely more to find if they know if if they feel comfortable interacting online. There's a there's a broader variety of what's available and and what friendships they can form. And and these are the in our case we travel around the world and we've been doing it for since early 2015. So for a while now, we don't intend to go back to our home country ever. So this is, I think this is the way, Garina for us is the the way to ensure that our child gets socialized. Even though it's online, I believe this is for us, this is a path, the path to long-term friendships that he may not have the opportunity to have otherwise. Yeah, I think, so for the question about what's been missing for me, Personally, that's that's only been the time outside, right? My son likes to, he loves Galileo. He, he wants to be online and, and interacting and working on things all the time. The difficulty is, in as an only child, it's hard to get him outside unless I send him to school. So that's why I did for, for three months. He was um, in a local school, and we're very much looking forward to coming back. He liked the school, but he likes Galileo better. He liked the school for running around with with other kids, and I think this is this is where Dodgers come in, right? For the kids who can't collaborate well online, Dodgers will enable that. For the kids who don't go out if, if they're uh, learning online, which is our case, Dodgers fix that, right? And being able to travel across the world, uh, around the world, and interact with with different dojo founders dojo students while still staying under the the umbrella of one cloud school this is really exciting for us so I think we'll be part-time cloud Galileo and uh, whenever there's a there's a dojo uh, we may make good use of that too and and form some deeper friendships by sending our child there so thank you so much for for building this. Thank you so much for enabling us. It's been very interesting. And I do feel like for us, Galileo is the, is the solution to everything we wanted. That was, you know, we've been traveling around the world and looking for local schools that maybe, may fit our, our criteria. And I feel much freer to choose locations I want to go to. A lot of the complexity of, of choosing where we can go and, and what we should do with, uh, with education and with, uh, with socialization, that's been a, a great weight lifted off our shoulders. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you, uh, I for this. So very good points. Our understanding right now about like, what it means to have the best learning experience for kids is actually to have a hybrid model, which means online and in person. We started online first. It was the situation like this. We still think, you know, like most of the stuff uh, that you can learn today can be learned online. So we'll probably always be online first. But I agree, the best learning experience for kids is kind of, this is where, like, at least this is our understanding today about this. It's it's actually online and in person. And hopefully this dojos, we'll see more and more people opening dojos and opening locations in, in this philosophy. And then, uh, yeah, more choices for the parents. And if this trend will continue, parents willing to travel more and, and spend more times in, in different countries, different cultures, I think uh, it's more power to this family. So, yeah.
1: And Vlad, just to like dwell on the point that it's not just Galileo people, parents that open these things, right? Uh, this is what excites me. There's probably people listening to this uh, right now or will in the future on the podcast who know a friend or a friend of a friend who's passionate about teaching and mentoring and probably wants to leave their own nine to five school day job and set up their own little micro school. Galileo is the perfect bridge for that person.
2: Also, they should be open for experimentation, right? Because we have a lot of things to learn in this. In this video, so. <laughs> yes,
1: you've got to be adaptable. It's a, it's a fast-moving startup at the end of the day, people. You know, the, you, you've know, got to keep that in mind. But what one thing as well that doesn't get talked about enough is like the kids, they don't care. They don't care if their timetable changes every three days or whatever, Like, uh, or, or new clubs come on and they're gone again the next month then back again the next month, or you're shuffling around different facilitators doing different clubs. It's bedlam for a week or two, maybe, when they're first getting into it and this is all new for everybody. But after that, water off a duck's back. And in fact, they thrive on the change and they are so adaptable. And, you know, that they leave us in the dust. You know, we, we can't keep up with the different clubs and stuff that they're doing. But they're self-organized and they're enjoying it and they're open and they're, you know, kind of thriving on on the challenge of the, the change itself, which it's setting them up for the future because they're all gonna most likely be working at least, you know, a part of their adult life in remote locations, you know, location independent, remote work. So it's just setting them up in such a a much better fashion than you would get from an experience going through the the education system as it is today. Thank you so much for, for hanging around and answering all of the questions.